Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am so excited that you are here. You have Scout here. I am in my office right now drinking a Starbucks coffee because I need it this week. You know, you just need it this week sometimes. I was listening to a podcast and it said that if you have all the minerals and supplements, you don't feel the need to ingest stimulants to keep you going throughout the day. And I was like, you know what? One day I'll get there, but today is not the day. So here I am with my coffee recording this intro. I just got off the interview with my guest this week, Christina Galbado, and it was an amazing, amazing, inspirational, in-depth, and vulnerable chat about her getting sober. She is 10 months sober. She announced that she was sober I believe last September, um, and as an extremely powerful entrepreneur, she has a multi-seven-figure business. We talk about what it really meant to be vulnerable with her community, to share the news, to share her challenges and what she's been walking through. We talk about how being sober has affected her business, the clarity that she has. We talk about tools to regulate your nervous system instead of reaching for alcohol. And we just talk in general about tools and mindsets, resistance, acceptance when it comes to taking care of ourselves as entrepreneurs, but also as women. So this conversation was very, very special. I was also a guest on Christina's podcast, Her Life by Design. It is the latest episode since she's on a little bit of a hiatus. So I will link that in the show notes for you all to listen to. It was such an honor to be on her podcast. I did it when I was uh, launching my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, and really, really connected with her story, her as a business owner, and now her as a mental health vulnerable woman on the internet. She has, her opening up about her story has prompted a dialogue within her community about sobriety. So who is Christina Galbado? Christina Galbado is an online educator and digital marketing expert. 
After building a successful career as a travel influencer and working with brands like Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, and the Tourism Board of Morocco, Christina built a multi-seven-figure online education business that has helped thousands of women build profitable businesses as influencers and bloggers. She has been featured in CNN and Forbes and has spoken at AdWorld and Startup Grind. She is also the host of the top-rated entrepreneurship podcast, Her Life by Design. So without further ado, Christina Galbado. I was looking at our messages yesterday. I don't know why, because you were coming on the podcast today, I guess. I don't know. And I sent you... You got to stalk your guests. I got to stalk you. I got to stalk our past interactions. Obviously, I was on your podcast. Everyone can go listen. But Mm -hmm. I sent you a voice note and I re-listened to it the minute you posted the news that you were newly sober and I was just overcome with support and excitement and love for the journey that you are now currently on. And so I want to open with this. I know that might seem like a very heavy, like get straight to it thing to open with, but let's do it. Can you talk a little bit about your sobriety, how you got here and how it's changed your mindset, your perspective, and where, just tell me where you're at today with it. Yeah. Okay. Do you want the full story or kind of like what's going on right now? I feel like this could be a 4,000 page novel or like a spark notes. <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on right now, because I feel like the biggest extractions and the gems and what's going to serve the emotional entrepreneur community is how making the decision to be sober has affected and transformed your life today, regardless of yeah. whatever went on beforehand. We can all imagine when you get to a point where you got to get sober, shit's going down. So tell me where you're at today. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on and like your support that you came out with uh, when I announced everything. Cause it was, as you can imagine from your experience as well, the scariest thing that I've ever posted on social media. So I just want to say, I'm so grateful for, for you for that. And also for having me on, because this is like not something that people talk about and it prevents people from getting help, like just the degree to which it's stigmatized in our society. So now I'm almost 10 months sober. I will be 10 months sober on February 12th, which is insane because I could not imagine even stringing together 10 days, let alone 10 months. So I'm currently in, you know, weekly therapy. I don't do anything like AA or anything like that for me. It's been kind of more of like a spiritual process with my therapist and learning how to regulate my nervous system and also healing all of the things that I've used alcohol to numb in the past, which is going back to, you know, your childhood and things that happened to you in high school and reframing beliefs about yourself. So that's kind of the process that I'm in right now. The changes that I've seen in my life being 10 months sober are more incredible than I could have ever imagined. I feel like I thought at the beginning of this that it was going to be just about removing alcohol. And it has been about so much more. That was literally just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the growth that I was going to see. So it's the best journey ever. And I'm like a completely different person than I was last year. And it feels so good. Before you posted on Instagram, you said that it was the scariest thing you've ever posted. And I find that before I post things, if I'm scared, I know that it's the thing I need to post. Can you talk about that process when you felt comfortable coming to your community online? Because you have a really big community. You've built an insanely successful digital business. What was that process of, I'm ready now to tell everybody, this is how I want to tell everybody that I'm sober. Can you walk us through what you were feeling in that moment? Yeah, I think I told them, uh, it was probably September, I think of last year. So at that point I had been 
I cannot do math in my head, like six months sober, something like that. And I literally, I kid you not, I had practiced like this grand speech that I was going to make like in the mirror a hundred times of like, here's this thing that's happening. Like now you all know. And I kept kind of like putting it off, putting it off. But then my boyfriend and I, long-term boyfriend and I had broken up like a week prior to me posting. And I was just like, I feel so disconnected from this persona that I was creating online and what was actually happening in my life. And so I posted this kind of like an explosion of all these things that had collapsed in my life and in a beautiful way. I was so scared. I think with something like addiction in any capacity, the idea we have of someone that struggles with alcoholism, alcohol use disorder, whatever you want to call it, is the homeless person under the bridge or the brown paper bag. You don't think about a successful entrepreneur. You don't think about a young female. At least I didn't when I went through this. And so I thought that people were going to judge me. I thought that my whole business was going to collapse. I thought that me struggling with this meant something larger about my intelligence, about my ability to be a leader. And yeah, I was scared my entire business is going to blow up, but I just led with my why. I talked to a lot of other sober people about it and they were like, so many people struggle with this in silence and you're doing a huge favor to the world really by talking about it and shedding light about this topic. I just remember like when I was first thinking about getting sober and knowing that I needed to, I felt so, so incredibly alone. I didn't know anyone in my life that had struggled with alcohol. I didn't know anyone that just didn't drink by choice. And so I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know if I can swear. What the fuck is wrong with me? Like why, what's up with my brain? And finding like, there was one YouTube video from another young female who had struggled with the same thing. And I was like, finally, like someone that I can relate to. So I kind of just led with the why of like, I want to be that person for someone else. I love that you said that the experience that you were having in the physical reality world wasn't matching up with the personal persona that you were putting on the internet. I am kind of deep into this weird philosophy about the difference between our physical selves and our digital avatar selves and how we put things on the internet as a brand. The same way if you and I had a product, we would filter it through brand pillars and brand aesthetics and core messaging, et cetera. And then we would present it in the way that we super, super meditated on. But when the brand is a person, things can get complicated and it can get messy. And showing up on the internet vulnerably is something that obviously as personal brands on the internet allows our community to connect with us. And there is a weird line. The person that we are online is never going to be the fullest expression of who we are in the physical realm. But when we are vulnerable, it allows people into that portion of us that isn't the curated brand style, core mission, we know what works, we know the CTAs, etc. What happened with your community? What was the outpour when you put yourself out there and talked about what was really going on in your life? Yeah. And I will say too, like a lot of the stuff that I've shared with sobriety is just like, it's vulnerable and it's the overall kind of thing that has happened to me, but there are definitely many things in my life that I go through now that I have gone through that I, that will never see the light of day. So I feel like we all just have to kind of draw, draw the line somewhere. Yeah. I, the, where is the line is my question, but yes. <laughs> where, where is the line? I know it just keeps getting pushed further and further along as I'm like on social media, but the response was insane. I have never received so many messages in my life. I literally had thousands of messages and I was also going through like a vulnerability hangover, which I'm sure you can relate to where I just wanted to like curl up in a ball and like take care of myself and not talk to anyone. 
So thousands of messages I did not receive scout literally did not receive one negative message, not one of thousands of messages. There was not one person who told me to, you know, do it the right way and go to AA or, you know, that anything negative about me as a person, nothing. It was just mostly people that, you know, were saying, I've always admired you. And like, this just took it to the next level. I can't relate, but it's so admirable to recognize that something's wrong in your life and to do something about it. But then I had a lot of people too, that were also struggling. And I've given my phone number to like probably more than 10 people at this point who like we message daily and they're like on day 32 of sobriety on day 16, back to day one. And like, I mean, that's part of the recovery process too, is helping other people. So it does help me, but it's just opened up this amazing door of service that I, it just gives me a new purpose every day. Oh my gosh. I can relate the amount of people I have hopped on a phone call with who either were just diagnosed with bipolar disorder or someone close to them is going through a psychotic episode or something with a mental illness. It really does connect you to people in a new way. And it kind of unveils that. So for anybody listening, I want you to stop and listen to what she just said, because so often we're afraid to show the parts of ourselves that we think are going to destroy our business or ruin our relationships or ruin our reputation. And we are afraid of judgment from others. But really, when we share an authentic experience that was challenging and we've kind of not gotten on the other end, but are committed to walking through the fire people support you and rally behind you. People accept you. I remember when I was early on in my business, I had OKSIS podcast and I came out with my story around bipolar disorder like a couple months into Scout's agency. And, you know, we did a whole Instagram thing, Scout tells her bipolar disorder, whatever. And so technically, if my client's wanted to know they could find it out quite quickly. It's a public profile that's linked to mine, but it became a question and a limiting belief, which I talk about in my book of, do I tell people that I'm bipolar off the bat sometimes, or is that Mm -hmm. something I keep to myself? And I have found that every time I have told a client that I'm bipolar and honestly, Christina, sometimes it'll happen on the discovery call because they're opening up about their life and I'm opening up around mine. And I feel as if as women, millennial women, this is how we do business now. Like we do business Mm -hmm. from an open heart and a connected vulnerability, if that makes sense. And so for anyone that's listening, that's scared to come out with what they're struggling with, I believe we're two beautiful examples of how when you do, a lot comes back in return. Absolutely. Do you feel like another thing, like, I I don't know if you experienced this this with bipolar, but I feel like bipolar addiction, anything that we struggle with in life is not just like this kind of external, like shitty part of us. I feel like it, it makes us who we are. And there are so many things that like you've spoken about with bipolar disorder that you wouldn't have achieved many of the things that you've achieved without having that. And even when I think about, you know, alcohol use disorder and things like that, the parts of my personality that have made me really good at getting addicted to a substance, like risk-taking, like, you know, X, Y, and Z also make me a very good entrepreneur. So sometimes it's like, it is part of this beautiful story. It's not just like this dark thing we have to deal with. Oh my God. I'm so happy you said that. You know, bipolar disorder is the greatest gift God ever gave me. When someone tells me they're diagnosed with a mental illness, I say, congratulations, you're one of the lucky ones. Because if you move through this, 
with the acceptance and the commitment to your life, it will transform. And so whenever something happens to me that's an uncomfortable emotion or my disorder flares up, I always ask, how does this actually serve me on the good side? Because there's always a good side to the dark things that we go through. So this is a beautiful segue for you to talk about how your addiction, or as you just said, I don't know if you want to call them habits or uh, yeah, what, what are the words? You, you say the words yeah. and <laughs> how, how they've actually propelled you forward as an entrepreneur and how mm-hmm. you've been able to keep the good parts about that part of your personality into your sobriety. Yeah. I think there are many aspects of a more addictive brain that kind of lends you towards being an entrepreneur. First of all, risk-taking. I've always been a big risk-taker. I've always been a very big all-or-nothing person. When I see something that I want, I go after it relentlessly. There's good and bad to all of these traits, right? The other one I notice is persuasiveness. So obviously that can be used for bad in this specific scenario, but it can also be make you a very good leader and make you very good at communicating your point and convincing other people of what you're trying to communicate, which I don't know a good way to like wrap that one up, but it's another personality trait. Well, I think you could be manipulative or you could be persuasive for good. I feel like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And there's many others. And so for me, it's been, I mean, I'm sure you can relate. It's like, it is a grieving process when you get diagnosed with a mental illness or you realize that you have an addiction that you just can't control anymore. It is a grieving process of letting go of your old self and accepting what is true for your, for you now and realizing that like the good parts and the bad parts are kind of inextricable from each other has been a big thing for me. And just kind of accepting that this is my situation and I'm going to make the best of it. And now I notice with my business overall, I think the, one of the biggest changes I've seen in myself is more confidence because with any substance use disorder, you just lose so much confidence because you, you can't control this, this part of your brain, you can't control your behavior. And so being able to gain back that control and gain back my sense of self and understand myself makes me much more confident overall, but especially as a business leader, like in the decisions that I'm making daily. Can you talk about the clarity that it brings you? Because so Obviously, we all went through the pandemic and we all drank too much. We'll get that out of the way real quick. (laughs) And um, I all of a sudden became the girl that like always had wine. Like I always had wine. And that tapered off at the end of 2020 and, you know, whatever. But I really felt called this at the end of 2021 to recognize that every time I went to dinner, it was a glass of wine no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is weird. What if I didn't order wine at dinner? And it was a weird experience. And I know that sounds so yeah. specific, but like I had not been at a dinner with a friend without a glass of wine. And I started chasing it little by little and I started removing it and I started checking in with myself. Like, do I actually want to drink right now? Or is this just the social automatic thing that we do now? And mm-hmm. in asking that of myself, and I'm not someone who deals with alcoholism or addiction, but just in that quest of understanding the habitual automatic alcohol tendencies that we have as a society. And then I removed them for like a month, six weeks. I think I had like one or two glasses. Even as someone who was not addicted, I found a clarity that was so intense. Like I would be at social settings and my husband is 10 years sober. And so this is him all the time. I would be at social settings and just like recognize 
when people have had one or two and just watch mm-hmm. the environment yeah. change. And so it was crazy to me and it was such a gift and it, mm-hmm. it's something that I'm moving forward in my life, not completely sober, but like I've reduced my alcohol by 90%. So can you talk about the clarity that it's given you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, congratulations to your husband. That's huge. Yeah. You are, I'm just myself a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of weird, but yeah, there is so much clarity and my relationship ended because of that clarity. I think that we use alcohol as a society to numb so much. Like we're upset alcohol, we're celebrating alcohol. And so like the biggest skill that I've had to learn is how to like regulate my nervous system when I feel in that fight or flight response, when normally I would just go to alcohol as like the quick fix. So it's kind of building that toolkit of like, how can I activate my ventral vagal and like get back down into that calm state and not feel like I need this like quick escape to deal with it. But it it does bring you so much clarity because you're no longer using the substance that really numbs a lot of your emotions. Can we talk about some of those tools to calm your nervous system? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we're obviously dealing in a little bit of a, in my opinion, more bipolar spectrum of emotions, high highs, low lows, they're constant. The pressure feels Mm -hmm. extreme at times when we're growing and investing in ourselves. So what are some natural Mm -hmm. holistic ways that you calm your nervous system down? Yeah. The biggest obvious ones for me would be like getting out and taking a walk in nature and just being surrounded by plants and trees and air, (laughs) not being inside. Uh, Another big one for me, this definitely got me through like the first 60 days is hot baths. They just calm your nervous system down immediately. I also got a infrared sauna blanket that I really love. And it kind of has the same effect as the bath. There's another thing that my therapist taught me how to do. I'm not going to do it on the podcast, but it's basically like close your eyes and you make these, like you inhale and you go, over and over again. And that does something with your vagal nervous system. I don't know. And it calms you down. So I do that. The other thing I've had to learn is just like to take a beat because for example, something happened yesterday with someone copying my content online. And my immediate reaction was like fight full fight response. And I was just like, let me just take a beat. Let me journal about this. Let me calm down my nervous system. And then like, come back to this in two days. So those are some quick tips that I enjoy doing. Meditating, journaling, I do all the things. I thought they were bogus and then I got sober and I'm like, no, these are like very helpful. (laughs) It can seem overwhelming to someone who's starting because you have to try on a bunch of different tools before like journaling and meditating and taking a beat and taking walks and baths become just this normal part and you start to crave that stuff. Do you have any advice for someone who thought all of those things, who is thinking right now that all these things are bogus, that they love listening to my podcast, but if they hear me say one more time, all of the tools in my toolbox to do, they're going to, you know, turn the podcast off. Can you talk about how you went from the transition of thinking those things weren't going to serve you to relying on them and using them to support you? I think for me, it was, it was one thing at a time. So I did not add on journaling and meditating both together in the morning. I just committed to doing like 15 minutes minimum of journaling and just like seeing where that took me and seeing the proof and seeing the effects and seeing how over time I actually started to crave journaling. Like when I was trying to work through something in my head, I'm like, I need to journal right now. So starting with one thing. And then like, when you see that that works or you see it doesn't work, maybe then try the next thing and try adding things together rather than like 
going for this 5am morning routine where you need to be doing like 25 things at once. I think that's where people get overwhelmed is like this miracle morning of 25 new habits that they need to somehow implement tomorrow. And it's like, let me just, let's just start with one thing at a time. Yeah. That's why I could never be a worker outer because going to the class for an hour was, it was just too much for me and I would be committed for three days and then I'd give up. So I literally do at least 10 minutes, but I aim for 15 of Melissa Wood Pilates. And oh, yeah. now I'm successful. Now I move my body every single day for months. So taking it super, super micro. Do you ever feel resistance in the sense that sometimes with my disorder, there are moments where I'm angry that I have to take care of myself in such a large capacity. I'm angry that I can't just stay up till 1 a.m. with my friends and go to work the next day. I get angry that I'm constantly surveilling my thoughts and journaling and meditating and eating the right thing and moving my body and being really regimented in a way where sometimes I feel like I just want to be the 22-year-old who didn't give a fuck and was more spontaneous. But I always have to come back to, okay, we'll remove these things and see how you feel. And I'm not going to feel great at all. Like it's better to do them than to not. But that voice of resistance, which I find to be the victimhood persona of me, where you're starting to play the victim, it's one of my least favorite places to be. And I know that the cure to it is acceptance, but Mm -hmm. I believe that people like you and me who have to be extra diligent to to be at a baseline that feels fulfilling and safe in our nervous system, I can get angry sometimes that I have to do this. Do you experience that? And if if you do, what, how do you talk yourself through it? Yeah, I feel that. I don't want to say all the time, but every once in a while, I had probably like a month ago. No, it was right after New Year's. Right after New Year's, uh, obviously New Year's is everyone's having champagne and all this stuff. And typically I'm pretty good not wanting alcohol or just being like, I'm glad I don't have to have alcohol anymore. Right. Like that's the saying, but yeah, New Year's, I was like, fuck this shit. Like why is everybody else get to drink? And I can't like, this sucks. That total victimhood mentality obviously didn't drink, but it, it does suck when you're like, why do I have to deal with this? Everybody else is like going on their merry way, having alcohol without thinking about it. And it passed after like three weeks, but I was kind of going through it for a while. I think for me, like therapy is the number one thing, especially with what I'm dealing with specifically acceptance for sure. But also for me, remembering what alcohol did to me and all the things that I did under the influence of alcohol and all the ways that it wrecked my life. So for a lot of that, like I spent a lot of time writing my story, writing down things that have happened, journaling about them and just keeping that top of mind because you do lose it over time. But acceptance is like the biggest thing. I got a tattooed on my wrist. (laughs) Acceptance is the biggest thing. I I don't know, to be honest with you, like I feel like I don't have tactical tips for acceptance. It's just some things in life you can't fight. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is especially in entrepreneurship, we want to like solve, we want to take action. We want to, you know, get desired results. And like, there's some things that you just don't have control over. And I think you just have to have the wisdom to know the difference of it, as they say. As they say in that serenity prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Acceptance is similar to surrendering. It's like you can't really, there's no steps for that. It's something Mm -hmm. that you have to feel in your body. You mentioned um, the word spiritual 
earlier. Mm-hmm. What can you talk a little bit about what your spiritual journey through recovery and healing has looked like for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the spiritual side of this has been that larger acceptance that there is a plan in some capacity for me and I can't control it. I can't control the, you know, whatever you want to call it disease that I have, but I'm not a particularly religious person, which is why I haven't gotten too much into AA. I know there's like more to it than that. And you don't necessarily have to believe in God or anything, but I guess I mean, spiritual more from the sense of like, trusting my inner knowing and being more aware of myself and understanding my psychology a little bit more. That's been like probably the biggest thing. And just like taking care of that little girl that felt so anxious and so rejected and so uncomfortable in her skin and needed this substance to like get through life and being aware of like what she needs and how she's trying to speak to me every day. Yeah. But that's kind of what I mean by spiritual. I don't know if the spiritual is the right word for that, but (laughs) yeah. So, you know, my husband went through AA and so in the beginning of me going on like a more active healing journey within my bipolar disorder, I would look to some of the steps, just some of their practices, et cetera. And that Mm -hmm. was the first time I thought of the concept of a higher power, having a relationship to a higher power. And so it is Mm -hmm. such an interesting, um, intersection that I find people who are going through extreme challenges will start to develop some sort of a spiritual journey, whether that's talking to their inner child, whether that's talking to God and that it has so many shades that's so beautiful and it's such a unique experience for others. But I think it's so fascinating and interesting that those who walk through potentially large fires come out the other end with either a sense of their younger self or a sense of their highest self or a sense of a universe, whatever it might be, there's something bigger that they, they consciously see, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. It wasn't until this experience when I was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I believe in something higher. And sometimes I feel like that's what you need to, you need to see it to just get you through, honestly. But I do know that like your higher power could be it could be your highest self. It could be the universe. It could be your dog, I think. <laughs> so, To be honest, like my dog runs my life. So it, it tracks, yeah. that tracks, that <laughs> tracks for me, in my opinion. Yeah, um, same. So I want to leave our audience, our community with a couple tangible things if they're listening and they, mm-hmm. as they're listening, they know this one big thing that they have to hurdle, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's a mental mm-hmm. illness, whether it's negative or toxic habits that they're just engaging with on a daily basis, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. what's one tip you would say for them to take one foot forward? I don't know if you like using the word recovery, but using the word towards recovery and healing their lives. Yeah. I think for anyone that is feeling like they might be struggling with their relationship with alcohol, I think the question that I would ask myself is, would my life be better if I didn't drink? I know a lot of people are on all sorts of places in the spectrum. And I don't think that you need to be in a place where you have severe or moderate alcohol use disorder to question what the substance is doing for you. I would recommend a lot of people ask me like what the first steps would be. And I would say to try 30 days sober. I feel like that is a great indication (laughs) of your relationship slash dependence on alcohol. And also just awareness is the key to everything. Like you were sharing, thinking about like, why, why do I want alcohol right now? 
Is it because I'm trying to relax? Is it because I'm trying to fit in? Is it because I feel like I need to? So just being aware of that and questioning that a little bit and not jumping to, I need a glass of wine as like the solution for everything. Yeah. Or just the automatic, like, you know, we talk so much about our unconscious habits and it's crazy how alcohol can be the most unconscious automatic habit. And it wasn't even that I felt like for me, it wasn't even that I felt as if I was trying to fit in. It's just that, I don't know if you can relate to this as a woman who's, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 30. (laughs) I feel like if I go to dinner with my girlfriends and I don't have a glass of wine, it's like, are you pregnant? Like you have to like justify, you have to fucking justify why you're not having a glass of wine. It's, it's a very weird place we've gotten to in our society. So I love the awareness. I think the awareness is the most important thing. So Thank you so much, mm-hmm. love. Absolutely. I'm so happy you came on. Can you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. My Instagram is at Christina Galbato. Website is the same. My podcast, when it comes back, hopefully in the next month or two is called Her Life by Design. And then I do want to say, if anyone listening feels like they are struggling with their relationship with alcohol and feels like they need help, please reach out. I have a ton of resources that I can send you and I'm always an open ear. Yeah. And you also, I know we didn't talk about this. I'm going to say what you do obviously in the intro, but (laughs) you, you have a very amazing flourishing digital business and you have so many offerings to support women in starting blogs, et cetera. Can you maybe share one of your key offerings that's happening right now for anyone who is familiar with you and wants to build the empire that you've built? Yeah. My business that I have. <laughs> sometimes I like, sometimes I enjoy talking about this more because it's like so much more top of mind, you know, I'm like, know. oh yeah, social media. Yes. But my main business is that I'm the founder of an online education company. It helps uh, women specifically build businesses as influencers. So we teach everything from growing your audience online, be it an Instagram blog, email list, and then creating content and monetizing through mostly brand collaborations. We have a few things coming up soon about online courses, which is exciting. But for now, brand collaborations. So I have the influencer bootcamp, which you guys can check out. It's about Instagram growth and monetizing through brand collaborations. And then we have the blogger bootcamp, which is growing a blog and monetizing your blog. I also have a mastermind program if you feel like you need more like high touch support. And you can check all of that out through my Instagram. Beautiful. You are such a joy. Thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, you know where to find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Have a beautiful day and I will catch you next week. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend. If you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSYS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.